excellent day for an exorcism. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Hey there everybody, welcome to this very special episode today. Today we are going to be going a little bit different. Now, have you ever thought to yourself, and I'm going to, I'm speaking to Kat right now, have you ever thought to yourself how wonderful it would be to actually get a chance to speak to, you know, one of these very big uh, um, directors? Amazing directors, Amazing like directors. your favourite director. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine sitting down with the very first chance you ever got to sit down and speak to someone like George Lucas? You know, at one, when he first starts out, you know, you're the very first person that gets a chance to sit there and talk to him and say, listen, where did it all start? How did it all come about? How did well, you- Even better, George Lucas went to film school. How would it have been to have sat down with George Lucas when he was in film school making THX whatever it was, that movie that he made oh, at film yes. school that, that started him off and got him noticed? That's right. I remember that one that started him off and he was just, you know, and just at his infancy or, you know, a Steven Spielberg, a, you know, even like, you know, someone like Alfred Hitchcock sit down with him when he first starts doing movies and go, how, did, uh, what, how, how did this all start? How did you tell me about it? And you are the only person that ever starts and has that exclusive interview before he becomes world famous. And then you suddenly go, huh? There you go. I've well, guess what? Now is your chance. Now is our chance. We are going to be speaking to an upcoming indie director on his very, very first movie that he has done. And and I'm just so excited that he's taken some time out of his busy schedule to come and speak to our little old podcast. So this yeah, is Yeah, we very, are very... absolutely thrilled to have this young up and coming director who is going into his final year of film school and has been doing some amazing, incredible work at film school. And we enticed him with cookies to come over here and hang out with us. Yes. Now, as far as enticing him with cookies, we had to send him the cookies. <laughs> Well, you know, he is in another country. But, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we we left it on a plate by the front door and they're still there. <laughs> so he hasn't come over and grabbed them yet. So we actually had to, you know, ship them express post over them. So he's, he's You know, I try to make a cute little joke and you see what he does to me. <laughs> so without further ado, we would like to introduce to everyone the upcoming indie director, Alexander Milner. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Alexander Milner. Um, as fun as it was to be compared to uh, George Lucas, uh, not there at the moment. Not Hopefully, yet. Yeah, yet being <laughs> the operative word. <laughs> because we we have faith in you. We know what an incredibly talented young man you are. And we are just so excited to have you on, on the podcast today. And why don't you start by telling us a little bit about about you about your experience where are you in film school and kind of you know what's the plan yeah so um me personally uh i've been uh primarily a camera operator uh that's where my interest started uh, i started out doing a lot of uh film work in high school i found out i was decent at it so i, I decided to go to college for it and um luckily now i've learned about all the amazing uh, roles you can do in it um so currently I'm, I'm i'm getting to work on my first project as a director uh along with a writer so i've written and directed my uh first you know short film that we're we're starting up to film in october and uh, i've primarily focused on a lot of um narrative filmmaking and 
kind of in the productive side of things. Excellent. Now, do you feel that starting out as a camera operator gave you insight as to what a director would be looking for and kind of help that transition more into wanting to run the entire show? Um, slightly. Um, no matter what you do in, in, in set or out of set, um, to direct, what I found is as long as you kind of have a general understanding of what every person's role is, you'll have an easy time directing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't understand that concept. <laughs> James Noyan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he is the guy that has done the three birdemics. And mm -hmm. if you want to see a movie, uh, and oh, it's almost like a case study of things to not ever do in movie making, yes, please it's a go and watch Birdemic. If they ever have a course in what not to do when making film, they will use these three films as, as the, the prime example. I mean, his lens flare is terrible. His screenwriting is terrible. The Just the way that he positions cameras, the way that he gets people to actually interact with each other. He doesn't edit. He doesn't edit. It is just so it as I said, if you ever get a chance to, and I know Birdemic actually is on, don't watch it because you'll never get that time of your life back <laughs> and you'll regret it forever. But if but it is, it should be, as Kat said, what never to do to make a movie. Yeah. James James yeah. Noyan. Yep. Um so, but so <laughs> what were we talking about <laughs> before we went off on the Birdemic tangent. I think we were talking about yeah. I don't know what you were talking oh, go, about. Go ahead, Alexander. Sorry. No, um, but yeah, back back to having like knowledge of all the fields that are generally, you know, where you're going to be doing. Um, I would say for, for instance, like lighting, um, you need to be able to know how to talk to every aspect of the crew. And lighting is different. If you talk to someone and you go, oh, you know, I really, uh, I, I want to get rid of these shadows. And, you know, and they say to you, well, do you want silk do you want something harder or rougher or do you want to move the light uh and understanding the equipment and terminology is really important that same thing goes for um post-production when you're finishing up things and you're talking to them and you're going oh well, when we color grade this let's make sure that our file is in rec 709 or something and and understanding that when you're saying these things they go oh he knows what he's talking about so they, they trust your process and your ideas a little bit Ab absolutely. Yeah. Because I, I know there are directors out there who don't take the time to actually work in the different roles. And I've heard tell of people who are just impossible to work with because of it. So yeah. good for you for understanding that concept and taking the time and putting in the work to be to really understand what it is, because I think overall, that's going to make you a far better filmmaker than it would have been otherwise. So I've got a question that I want to ask. So I'm going to go, I'm going to take him back to like his elementary school days. Uh-oh. Yeah. Now, you know, kids say that, you know, <laughs> they want to be a fireman or a policeman or whatever. What made you go down this path? Was it, was it like a, a movie that you saw and you thought to yourself, man, I could make a better, better movie than that? Or was it something that just, you know, you, you just got interested in? Or what, how, what was the process that actually led you down this path? No. There was never a movie that I watched where, like, oh, this is crazy. I want to see how it's made. I didn't, I didn't care about movies that way for a long time. Um, uh, for me, it really started when I was doing camera work. 
uh, and I was practicing, you know, in like my high school and, and when I was learning how to make, you know, framing of, of my shot and make it look interesting, I started watching movies more for the camera. And then I would see it and I would go, oh, that, that looks cool. I wonder how they did that. And that leads you down the rabbit hole of figuring out, you know, how they do things with certain lenses, how they do things with certain rigs. Uh, maybe it's a dolly, maybe it's a jib. Um, and then the same thing kind of continued to happen. And I would go back and watch older movies and enjoy them. But in the in the aspects of like, I'm going to take a shot at like Bentley at school. That school is very in, in a school of thought, um, theory based. And they, you know, they want you to know all of these directors and they want you to know all of the theory of what makes a shot good instead of practicing it. The school I go to in Fitchburg, it's um, more hands-on. And you'll, and you'll find that a lot of the students who are here, uh, they don't care too often about directors or screenwriters and the fact of like, this is the person I look up to. You can have different styles and movies that you care about, but no one's not going to be really snobby about it. Um, and I find that's more helpful in some ways when you're not like trying so hard to copy what other people have done. It, yeah, I know. actually have a background in theater and got my bachelor's degree in theater production. And that was one of the reasons why I chose the department that I did is because it was very hands-on and a lot of places whether it's film or live theater it tends to be the actors versus the product the production people with the actors thinking they're a lot better than the production people because they're the ones that are in front and that the audience sees and my department was very this very much the same way where if you're a production person you have to get out on the stage to understand what the actors go through and the actors have to try all the different parts of the tech, whether it's costuming, lighting, set design, um, sound, directing, all you have to try all of that so that you understand what the other side has to deal with. And it it does make for a better experience and a better, more rounded, holistic education. Yeah, because it's almost like, you know, everyone can get into a car and go for a drive, but they forget that it's just, you know, the steering wheel is a small part of the entire you know, vehicle that actually makes you go, you know, and, and so it's always the behind the scenes that you never get a chance to see. So I think that that certainly lends a lot to to be um, understanding where, where Alexander's coming from. Is there any director that you you actually lean towards that you actually enjoy his their movies? Style. Yeah, or, his yeah style. their style? Um, I mean, a modern modern director is definitely going to be like Christopher Nolan. It's, mm-hmm. it's generic in a lot of ways, but uh what i like about his work is how practical it is um i like how he he puts a lot of his effects camera first um but um not in the vein that cgi is a bad thing i would use it if i had the tools to to do so um i like practical things practical making any director who does practical stuff is someone i'm going to lean to um but he's he's always kind of been my favorite I've, i've explored his work the most so this movie that you're that you're doing tell us a little bit about it what's uh, what's the, the the premise of the movie what does it entail what's what's the whole story behind it yeah so uh, the film that we're working on is called Reselfish Few uh, it's a drama piece um, set around a young man and uh, a young adult and he's coming to terms with the, um, 
fact that his best friend Evan is uh, dying to cancer, uh, and it's it's a it's a rough time for everyone who's involved. And Devin, while he is the main center of the story, he actually kind of takes a back seat. And this story focuses on uh, the friend James and the rest of the family and how it's affecting them. Uh, and, and what we figured out when we were writing this film uh, is that not a lot of shows or or even movies put emphasis on how it affects other people, how it affects the rest of the family. And there's a lot of stress. There. So we watch as James, you know, they're, they're about a couple months into this whole procedure and, and process. Um, and what ends up happening is a big fight breaks out. And each character starts to express their own wants and needs. And every person is at a, at a different state of like acceptance or, or um, the reality of the situation. And, and as the title ensues, uh, everyone has a self need that they want out of it. Um, but as it, as it progresses, um, that, that's really what it's all about. And, you know, trying to come to terms with it. So why this story? How did you come to select this, to tell this particular story? This story, I started writing, it was the first script I ever wrote. Uh, it was, it started off uh, called West Wing. I didn't know there was a show by that name already. Oh, that's one of wrong. my favorite shows. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> they own, was, all, uh, own the entire DVD set. It was made uh, as like my first pre-prod class. And it was it's a very different version than it was then. Um, but it it started there and I left it alone for a really long time. Uh, and then I worked on some other projects while I was in school and then outside of it and kept working on it. And then uh, as I am now, I was getting closer to, you know, finding um, a team for our capstone. And everyone was like, oh, well, you know, we have these scripts. And I, I kept going back and forth to this old story and fixing it up and adding all the new skills that I had learned and how, you know, being a better writer. And so we picked this one and I just kind of pushed it off a little bit more, made it better, filled it up. And um, the story itself, uh, I'm a big fan of dramas. And um, I have personal experience with losing people to uh, cancer. Um, and so it's something I wanted to tell. Is that, is that your favorite um, you know, genre to, to do is, is drama? I mean, is there is there anything that you want to branch into or you'd predominantly like to just do drama? Drama is is fun. I like making I like making them. The biggest reason I like making them is there. <laughs> is there uh, what? Is there what, sorry? They're cheap. You don't cheap. have cheap. <laughs> to make a good drama. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I really want to make uh, an action. I'd love to do that at some point. I want to. Uh, it's it's what I what got me into them, and and you know the choreography choreograph of, of fight scenes and things like that. But I do enjoy dramas. I like good drama. Uh, and when you make your characters rich and have you know actual identities and and, and wants, that's what drives them. Uh, if you watch something and it doesn't have a good character, it's not going to go anywhere. It's very. It has to be character based. Your character Absolutely. has to have nuance and and desires and that's what pushes your stories now speaking about bringing out those th qualities in your characters um what have you done as a director to learn how to really bring that out in in your actors well the first thing i did was i took uh acting class 
I've taken acting classes so that when I talk to my crew, I'm not a good actor, but when I talk to my, my, you know, cast members, um, I'd express to them like what I want fully instead of, because they're, I've been on sets with other student directors and, and even some professionals who the direction that you give an actor might sound like, Oh, just give me more. Yeah. What is, that doesn't mean anything. Giving me more doesn't explain that. Um, and another thing I really like to do with them is I tell my actors, always start right at the top. If it's, it's a lot easier to bring your acting down a level than it is to try to raise it. So if they, if they start the scene and they're screaming and yelling, great. Now I just have to tell them, don't yell. Try to maybe enforce your voice. Make it, you know, fill the room. You don't have to yell. Be stern. And, and those small little additions uh, are, are what I find to be the most impactful in telling your cast members what they need to hear. Um, another really good thing is... I've I've noticed again it's with students and and I don't know about professionals but uh, character sheets are really important. Uh, if you write down on a sheet and it says you know these are the main qualities of your character and what their personality is and how they might react to a given situation of stress or happiness and then then they can build off of that and they go well I already have you know spreadsheet of how this character should act now I will add my own personal flair into it. And that's what my actors have done for the most. And how open are you to collaboration with the actors? Because some directors are like, this is the way I want it. This is the way you're going to do it. Other directors, it becomes a much more team effort that is like, okay, this is what I imagine, but I'd like to see what you can bring into that. What would you like to add to that? How do you see this playing out? Right. So I, first and foremost, will always say, but we're going to do what's on the script first. We have to get a take of that. I need this version of it. But if they come up to me and they say, can we try it this way? Of course we'll try it that way. Um, very lenient on that. Um, because if they have an idea and they've been working on this character for so long, then I'm going to listen to them. Mm. Um, and I, I can even give an example. I was with um, an actor. His name is Marco Brogan. And his character was it was small. He had a small role in it, but his purpose was playing this brother who was older and trying to get his brother to uh, kind of uh, see that his life isn't as messed up as he thinks it is. But essentially what he does is uh, he, he starts this argument and he's kind of yelling and then he quiets down. Uh, in his version, he wanted to start really quiet and then yell. But when he's yelling, his voice, he forced it to kind of break and he would start getting a little upset. And that was even more interesting. And mm -hmm. I liked that version. I didn't use it, but it was interesting. Yeah. Um, so you always, I think it's, it's unfair to not allow your actors to um, it, uh, advance the, the story. It's interesting yeah. you're saying about the different act, uh, the different directors, because I always remember <clears throat> the story. <clears throat> pardon me, the story of um, Stanley Kubrick when he was doing um, The Shining, and he was basically beating down, like you know, he was beating down his actors, not so much Jack Nicholson, but um, Kelly Duvall especially. Kelly Duvall, he was beating her down. I mean, there was a scene where they were, she was having to back back up some stairs. And Jack Nicholson was walking towards her, trying to attack her. And Stanley Kubrick got the shot, but 
at 175 takes. And Shelley Duvall was basically in tears going, I don't know what you want. And he's like, mm-hmm. I want you to do this. And then you get someone like Quentin Tarantino that on the set of um, Pulp Fiction, when he was writing Kill Bill, he was sitting with Uma Thurman and he was saying, well, this is what I'd like to see. Yeah, And it was he was basically writing it with her as he was going along. And she's like, oh, but we should do something like this. And he's like, yes, awesome, great idea. And he would write that down and he'd be like, but what happens if we did this? And she would be like, yeah, but I don't know. And he'd be like, well, let's try it when we get on set. So you can see that you've got one director that's basically you are going to do this. And then you got someone like Tarantino that sits there with his actors and goes, you tell me how you would play it. I know how I would see her, but you tell me how you would do it. And every act, every actor that's worked with with Tarantino said he is tough, but he is extremely fair and he wants a lot of, well, a lot of input. He doesn't want to just sit there and go, this is the cookie cutter shape that I've, desi- I've designed. This is what we're staying with. If, you know, you break out of that cookie cutter, ah, no, no, back you come. You're not going to get any you know, separate ideas. So I like that idea that you're actually allowing your actors to basically explore what they want to do. And, you know, you're using different takes, you know, in your scenes and you're, you're you know, doing the, the, the take that you want, but you're actually allowing them to sort of like branch out a little bit and show you what they've got to offer. And that's that's a great way of doing it. I mean, I, I am not a director by any stretch of the imagination, but I've just seen over the years reading different directors have how there are there is, you know, certain stars that sit there and go, <laughs> I would not want to work with him ever again. You know, Brian De Palma, who did um The Godfather. I think it was Brian De Palma that did The Godfather. I think I think did. so. Yeah. No, that was Scorsese. Oh, sorry, it? sorry, Martin Scorsese. Sorry. Oh, that's right. Martin Scorsese. Um very much cookie cutter. I want this, but but if we do that, I want this. Okay, and you know it got to the point where actors were just like, "Oh, he's doing another movie." No, 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 thanks. I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that again because it's just so hard. And and even James Cameron, you know, when he was doing The Abyss, you know, that's another director that really pushed his actors to the limit. Got a great movie. It's an absolutely stunning movie. But you know, even the actors were saying, if we were going to do The Abyss Part Two, yeah, not happening. I'm not going through that again. You know, but he got what he wanted. So, and and this is, you know, it really shows just the the depth of some directors, which is great to see. You know. Yeah, I mean, you have uh, there's there's you have I personally feel like you have to have a little prompt. You shouldn't, you know, beat your actors into getting you know what you think is the best shot, but you also can't allow the actors to do whatever they want. You know, like there's there's got to be a middle ground. You've got to allow them you know, wiggle room, because that's that's what their job is, is to pretend to be a different person and, you know, different characters and people think differently, and that's, you should allow that, but, you know, with mediation. Yeah. Now, with the actors, um, how did you cast? It, was it people that you already knew and thought would be perfect for the role, or did you hold auditions, like open auditions? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, so this... This comes after I've worked with several actors on other projects as a crew member and and, and in all sorts of locations. Um, but for We So Much Few, uh, the main cast, the, the younger characters, these were people I already knew for the most part. Uh, and I casted all three of them first. And then uh, for other actors, like the adults that are in the story, that casting was done off of a site black. Uh, no, 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 backstage. Mm-hmm. And 
that was where you can reach out to a bunch of actors. They can be non-union, union. Um, and then, you know, they, they reached out. And I pulled one person from there. Um, that's and how are I you did. are you using any union actors in this? No. no we don't have any union actors. Um, actually, no, 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 no. We do have one. He is in a smaller union. Um, it's not SAG, but it's... He's in something. I, I don't have it off the top of my head right now. Now, since the since you mentioned SAG, um, at this point in time, at the record at this recording, which is the third of September, twenty twenty three, there is the actors' strike in Hollywood, where the writers have gone out on strike in sympathy with them. Yeah, you can de- you can decline to answer the question, but I'm just curious where you stand on that. I am with the strike fully. Um... Personally, you know, I'm not in any union yet, um, but I'm going to be, hopefully, at some point. Um, the idea that studio executives and and these people at the very top of, of this branch are not willing to give what I what I believe the number is about one to two percent of their earnings to writers and the actors. Um, to the people who actually make possible for them to have the multi-million yeah. dollar salaries. It's, it is ridiculous and it's upsetting because what a lot of people don't understand is um, you have A-list actors and then you have the rest of the actors um, and they're not making a million dollars for every movie they're in. A lot of actors um, are getting paid pretty small amounts. Um, I don't have the rate off of my off, off any notes right now, but let's say I hired an actor who was in SAG um and i and luckily if you're a student it's it's different you get to negotiate that price but when i negotiated once um with an actor we had a three-day shoot and the rate we had to pay them was about um ninety dollars uh you know per the day for however many hours we're doing and the day was short and so that's why it was really nine if you're doing a full day you can be paying someone about you know twenty dollars an hour for the day, however many days. Yeah, the last time I heard SAG rates, and this is going back at least 15 years, it was like $300 a day for a, oh, yeah. a, for, for, a, for like an extra. It's it's a lot. And I, I could understand why they, they wouldn't want to pay, you know, this, that number. But when you're, when you have so much money, that's not an issue. Not you just know, that, um, but these are people who only work sporadically. They're not working consistently. If you look at the general line of people who are doing film, let's say you're a grip. I think the average currently in 2023 is if you're doing maybe two, three projects, you'll probably only make $45,000 a year. That's if you're on a really good project in a really good area. Uh, that's a, that's a American dollars. Um, but if you know if you're higher up in the chain and you're in AC, well, maybe you make a bit more, but it's not enough that you're gonna stop working. You know, you need the union rates and you need that extra bump. And yep. um, the, you know, you, and everyone isn't gonna be making as much as like the top A-list actors. And hey, most people aren't gonna ever see that kind of money. Yeah. But it, it's interesting what you just said. Forty-five thousand. I just did a quick quote. Forty-five thousand American is only sixty-nine thousand six hundred thirty-seven dollars Australian. So yeah. it's really not uh, a no, huge it's not. amount of money. Now, 
Also, um, you mentioned a couple of terms there, an AC and a grip. For our listeners who are not in the industry, could you just give us a quick explanation of what those are? Yeah. So a grip or a gaff, they're going to be working in um, kind of behind the scenes. Uh, They are part of the crews. Uh, A gaffer is going to be dealing with electrical issues or just general wiring. Um, And then a grip will be exactly kind of what it sounds like. He's moving things around. He's setting up diffusion for lights. um, And they're going to be the people who are are really setting up those really heavy equipment. Um, And then an AC is just a camera assistant. Okay. So I always thought the grip, I always had a vision that the grip was the guy who just basically held the cables for the camera and made sure nobody tripped over them. Yeah. I'm most likely I'm glad they actually brought that up because I, well, I want to find out, and I probably have wanted to know this for such a long time. What the hell is a best boy? Yes. <laughs> I mean, is this, is this is this is this a guy that just walks around going, "Man, I'm the best. It's, it's all good. <laughs> I'm hired because I'm awesome." I mean, what is that? What is the best boy? I need no, to know. The, the best boy is going to be the second person underneath the key technician, um, and they're going to be the part of the lighting team. So you'll have your key technician who will maybe be setting up like light plans and then the uh, best boy will be doing doing that work and, and getting those cameras into the right position. Oh, thank you so much. Now, So he's doing the lighting designer's grunt work, basically. Now, now I can sleep tonight at three o'clock in the morning. It's not going to wake me up going, <laughs> what is it? What is it? And, and for don't, those... <laughs> and don't think he doesn't do it. <laughs> I, I do wake don't up. In a lot of ways, it uh, can be broken into, you have all these people and then you have all the people who make the plans and then all the people who do the plan. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, it's always, yeah. And all the people who make the plans get the big bucks and all the people who actually execute it and do all the hard work get the crap money. Yeah, pretty much. Now yep. you have a, uh, a fund page right now. Cause we've got, I just, I've got it up here. Um, you've got some funding that we're, we're um, reaching out for everyone. It's an Indiegogo campaign. Can you explain yes. to us a little bit about that? Apparently you've only, you've got, well, as far as I can see, you've got like 16 days left. So can you tell me all about it? Yes. So the the fundraising part of it, this just goes to allowing us to make this project as, as good as it can be. And that is about securing payment for actors. And it's, um, you know, so we can pay for reimbursements uh, that, that come up. It also allows us to feed our crew on those days and then allows us to submit our project to film festivals when they're done. So if you want to uh, feed starving college students, this is a good project to invest in. Absolutely. Now I'm just looking at it. You let them got... let them eat more than ramen. Yes. <laughs> no ramen noodles. Now um, I'm just looking at what you've got here on offer. So you've got the special thanks in, in credits. You can actually get something like that. If you can do that. You can also get a signed script by the cast and crew. You can also get a DVD with bloopers. That would be an interesting one. Oh, to... I want that. <laughs> We're getting that. That'd be an interesting one to get. Um, but you can also make a contribution of any amount um, that you feel is necessary to help these guys out. So what's the, um, so how do they actually reach out in the Indiegogo campaign? Uh, the Indiegogo, it's you, you log in with your account and you can go on there and you can um, put in any amount that you want to put in. I should mention that if it's coming, if you donate and you wanted one of the perks, and you're out of the United States. Fortunately, we can't ship from there as we're using a third party for these things. Aww. And they only send out in the U.S., unfortunately. The good thing I have uh, friends was... in the U.S. I can have it shipped <laughs> to them and they can send it to me. It was the main um, 
compromise we made for for that. But um, we didn't know that people would be uh, donating from out, out of season. Um, but, but people can yeah. donate from all over the world. I mean, because this this they podcast, all, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, if they want to up their brownie points in heaven, donate <laughs> from wherever you are to this campaign. Yeah. Now, obviously, making the accounts free, they can. It's a free account they make. Um, and you, I know obviously because this podcast goes all over the world and I'm t- saying all over the world that this podcast goes you can't to get much farther away than we are right now. Yeah. We, we are actually all over the world. Um, so they can donate any, any amount that they feel is necessary that they'd like to contribute to your campaign and actually really kick you over the line that you're actually looking for. You appreciate it. <laughs> No, we we really appreciate you taking the time out of a busy schedule to okay. come and talk to us. Now, before you wrap it up, Paul, I did want to go. I wasn't back. wrapping up. I was, oh, just, hush. I was just talking. Hush. Okay, so Alexander, at the beginning of the of the interview, uh, Paul asked about directorial influences, and you mentioned Christopher Nolan. For those who are not sure who Chris Nolan is. Um, what are some of the things that he has done? Where would we know him from? Is is he the one that directed Oppenheimer? Yes, he did. But that I feel like I know recent- him from other stuff too, and I can't think of what it is. Um, he made the Batman trilogy with uh, Christian uh, Bale. Yes, thank you. Uh, he's done. He made Tenet. He made. Um, oh Jesus! He's made a bunch more than I'm forgetting. Okay, now. but but in other words, he he is kind of a big deal and a very successful yeah. director. Yeah, I can I can understand having seen some of those, and I can't wait until Oppenheimer comes to the home class. The yeah, he he's done some ama- amazing work, and yeah, so I I can understand why you why you like him. Well, he uh, just looking on. I just went to Wikipedia just quickly. He is a very successful director because the budget for Oppenheimer was one hundred million, wow. and he's currently got it at seven hundred ninety point four million at the box office. Wow! Yeah, he's very successful. Yeah, and he, yeah, he's yeah, he's got an amazing array of um of actors under him. Yeah, right. and an amazing array of film under him, and different types of film as well. Which is, you know, he's he's a well-rounded director. Yeah, but as I said, if you ever want to giggle, go on to um, YouTube and look for Birdemic, and no, just to see don't, what you don't. It hurts. <laughs> and just stupid, to see, it hurts. It's just and it's just to see what you should never do as a director. Okay. I'll compromise with you. Go, go, and because we don't want to promote Birdemic here because we're promoting actual good work, honey. <laughs> yes, we are, and I. Um, but watch the trailer for okay. Birdemic, and that will be enough. <laughs> You've Especially seen the movie. when you see the CGI of the bird attacks. Do, do we want to tell him how much he got? Uh, uh, James Nguyen got for the um, campaign that he was trying to run for. Oh yes, yes, yeah. Okay, so James Nguyen run, ran uh, an Indiegogo campaign to raise money for Birdemic Three, the final in his trilogy. Yeah, and what was the now the the, um, the amount that he was looking for was seventy seven thousand five hundred dollars. Just so to not finish, a huge amount. Not a huge amount. Just to finish it off. And right? how much did he get? Six hundred ninety three dollars. <laughs> No, I thought he got nine hundred and something. No, six hundred ninety-three dollars. Oh jeez, he didn't even crack. He a couldn't grand. even crack a grand for, <laughs> for people to help him out. That's how bad this guy's direct 
directing is. I mean, yeah. part part one was terrible. Part two was abysmal. Abysmal. Part three was we don't even want to discuss. Well, it's, it. It, okay. <laughs> so part one was it probably it quite possibly is has overtaken Plan Nine from Outer Space as the worst film ever made. It, it, but it 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 was there was something about it that just kind of created a campy cult classic and unfortunately encouraged James Noyan to make part two, and <laughs> that one was actually worse than the first one. But it still had kind of a campy quality to it, so people accepted it. So he's like, "Yes, I'm the best director ever, and I'm going to go on and make part three. And everybody is done with part three. <laughs> it's like, no, this should not happen. And the funny thing about this is the fact that he's never gone to film school. He's never studied film. He doesn't know how to direct. He knows nothing. He just, he just decided one day out of the clear blue sky that at his, at his home, he's got a computer and a laptop. I think I'll make a movie. Yeah. And that's how it started. Okay. So let's stop talking about Birdemic and, and we get can back wrap up. to yes. We Selfish Few. We, we Selfish Few. We Selfish Few is going to be amazing. Yes, it I will I cannot be. wait to see it. No, I'm, well, I'm looking forward to it. Yep, absolutely looking forward to. Okay, is 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 this where we confess that he's our that he's our son? <laughs> no, we could adopt him because he's going to be that he's going to be that uh, that successful. Yeah, well, I think they might no- notice the fact that you two have the same la- that we all have the same last name. Probably. <laughs> there I am trying to trying to keep this professional, and you. Well, we just... can put in a gap, and you can edit it out, honey. No, it's okay. But seriously, Alexander, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today and talk about your film and about your experience. We are, when do you expect We Selfish Few to actually launch? Um, The production days so far uh, will be starting in uh, October. that's when the shooting plans will start. And then we have essentially, uh, I will I will have to say it will be a while until it's done. So um, maybe sometime next year, like mid next year? Yeah, definitely next year. I would say no later than April. Now, uh, when are the April. deadlines to apply for the film festivals? All depends on which one it is. Yeah. Um, my hope is to submit it to Austin Film Festival because that's the area we're in. Yep. Uh, it's the biggest one around oh. here. Um, that There's a lot of films that go there every year. And uh, I wouldn't, I would pray that I get into it, you know, that our project uh, makes it all the way in. But if it didn't, I wouldn't be too surprised. A lot of really good projects go into that. Um, but there's there's a whole bunch. Um, there's there is like a season of film festivals yeah. that you can you can find, but they're all generally around the same time. Now, are you looking to go into like Sundance and stuff like that too? Sundance is not for short films. Oh, really? Um, Sundance is Sundance is primarily for established filmmakers. Yeah. Um, that Sundance is for that place where you'll have maybe independent filmmakers. Maybe you'll have people who have uh, enough money to film their project, but not to distribute it. Um, that's what it's used for. Um, because production in itself is so much. What what, you, what happens a lot is uh, instead of films starting with studios, they might only find a studio at the very end of their production. So um, 
trying to think of an example, but I, I uh, the whale. I think the whale was a perfect example of that uh, with Brendan Fraser. That film was finished and then shown at Sundance, found uh, funding, and then a production company or or distribution company they allowed or or sent the money to send that movie out to theaters or or uh, streaming. But um, yeah. To, to bring the point back around, Sundance is primarily for uh, feature-length films. Okay. Now, speaking of which, um, do you know where you're going to be shooting? Like, what locations? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is just kind of in the general area of Fitchburg, um, kind of where the school is itself. Um, but there's no locations that are, that are like, groundbreaking or anything. Um, Places that we had to pay for, a couple places that were not. Um, because I know you were looking at my alma mater. I'm just curious: are you going to be using any space there? That was for a different project. Mm. That was okay. for um, another project and another, another, another group. Because it would just be fun to see places that I, I, I. That's one of my favorite things when I'm watching movies and they take place mm-hmm. in places that I know, and I'm like, hey, I know that place. <laughs> Yeah. That's just always fun. Um, hey, I've been there. <laughs> well, that was like a that was like a, a movie that we that I've got um that was made by Rob Zombie and um Sherry Moon Zombie walks through the little area where they've got the bewitched statue. Oh yeah, uh, in Salem. Yeah, and I'm sitting there going, I stood on that. <laughs> yeah, and then and then there's been a couple of Mel Gibson ones that came to Northampton and it's like, hey, that's the city hall. <laughs> It's always good to point out those sort of things. It's always fun to see that kind of thing. Or when they shoot in London, it's like, hey, I've walked down that street. <laughs> I had lunch at that cafe. <laughs> so going back to the fundraising. So now anyone yeah. that wants to um, you know, contribute, all they need to do is make a free account on Indiegogo and search for the, the Selfish View. And there mm-hmm. you can then donate however much you'd like. Well, actually, to. I think well, the link that we have is we are gonna... straight to it. Yeah, we are going to put a link um, at the bottom of all our podcasts. So you just click on the link and it'll take you directly there. But anyone that doesn't have access to that sort of situation, you just can go to Indiegogo campaign and make a free account. It doesn't cost you anything. You can then um, type in We Selfish Few. It'll take you to their page and then you can donate for however much you'd like to to do this to really support these, you know, these really talented um, artists because they're making an amazing leap into a very, very big world. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great idea to actually get behind these guys and girls and really help out and contribute. I'd also like to point out that it's a truly beautiful thing to see young people working so hard in their passion because the news is filled so much these days with young people who are just lazy and causing trouble and and feel like so entitled that I just think it's refreshing and beautiful and so worth supporting young people who want to work hard and do something that is so worthwhile. And eventually get to a point where they'll say, oh, a job? No, I don't I don't work. I work in my passion. And my passion is that I've never gone to work a day in my life. So. Yep. And, 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 some, and someday Alexander's going to reach out to us and say, you gave me my first push on the podcast to help get our funding over the line. We have a red carpet coming up. Come and join us. Yes. Walk it, it, red it, carpet with me. 
It'll be even more <laughs> exciting when he reaches out and says, listen, I've been nominated for an Academy Award. I've got two <laughs> seats next to me. Uh, the, 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 the cast are on the other side of me, but this side, there's two available. There, there, there's come two the Academy seats. Awards. And then, when, and then when he wins, um, we're going to make the news reels because we'll completely embarrass ourselves cha- cheering for him. Yep, we will. And, and, and my <laughs> mascara is going to run because I'll be crying so hard. Uh, I won't wear mascara that night. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> And oh, I, really... I wish this that this were a video podcast at the moment, so you guys could see him laugh, see Alexandra laughing at us. <laughs> Alexandra sitting there going, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is my first movie, and they're already talking Academy Awards." But I can see that this movie is going to be a great success. So it is Absolutely. just only up and up from here. So we really want to thank you very much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to come and talk to us today on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And, and I'm just so excited about. The, the film itself because the story is so important and it's absolutely true that when some especially when someone is getting close to passing away oh shit I'll, I'll, ta- I'll take that one because I have had a situation in my family where you know my mum was suffering from cancer she was getting close to the end and we we became very selfish we wanted more time we wanted something else we wanted it was not fair and we started to become like we 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 instead of what she was dealing with and everyone was dealing you know with this with the cancer in their own way and and i think this story that you were telling is is very very important to get out to the community that they can actually sit there and un- understand how they feel if they're going through something or if a family member is going through something that they what they want you know is is it's very. It's just such a, a very powerful story to be told. And thank you for not saying what I was trying to say. Okay. What I was trying to say is that when someone is dying, you are very focused on them and what they're going through. And a lot of people do not acknowledge and deal with their own feelings. So it does tend to come out sideways. Yeah. But the fact is, it's very important to do self-care during this time. Yeah. Which very I learned so. a couple months ago when my mom died. Thank you very much. Which is why the tears. I understand that. Why I, I know that your mom yeah. passed away. I know. I know you know, but everybody who's listening might not understand why I'm breaking apart. I know. So I'm just saying. It's all right. But I'm just. I'm glad that you're telling this story and this perspective. I think it's a really unique place to come from, and I think it's going to make for an excellent film. So, okay, so for the fifth time, we'll try to wrap up here (laughs) and say thank you again for joining us and taking the time and and, and doing what you're doing. So thank Thank you. you. I do appreciate it. So that's Alexander Milner, writer, director, and all-around good egg of We Selfish Few. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for joining us for this special episode. And especially... Especially big thank yous if you do reach out. Not that we don't love you anyway, but if you do reach out and support this Indiegogo campaign, we are truly grateful. And once again, if you want to reach out to do that, it's Indiegogo. It's a free um, sign up and then basically go to We Selfish Few, type that in there and you can donate to however much money you want to donate to just, it's not a, a donation, it's supporting the arts. It's supporting a great, a, you know, a great organization of of young actors and artists that are really, really wanting to put their, their uh, mark on the world. So 
if you do want to support them, that's how you go about it. But the links will be at the bottom of the show notes in um, all the podcasts. So you can just click on that and it'll take it directly to you to uh, that page. Yep. So thank you, Alexandra, for joining us. And thanks, everybody, for listening. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.